Amen. Good evening. I'd like to welcome you this evening to the Altoona Bible Church for our Sunday evening fellowship hour. It is our prayer that through the singing of the hymns, the special music, and of course the message from God's word, that you will be truly blessed. At this time, then Joshua is going to come back to, to lead the singing in Jesus is the joy of living. We do want to welcome you here this evening. We're going to sing hymn 56, Jesus is the joy of living. Amen. We're going to continue our singing with My Redeemer. We're going to sing uh, verses 1, 2, and 3 of My Redeemer.
amen, and it was through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are free through that. So amen to that. For our special music today, we're going to have, or tonight, we're going to have Marsha Wright. Uh, she's going to be playing the piano. Her first number is The Old Rugged Cross. Amen, Marcia. Thank you for that song about the playing of the old rugged cross. We're going to continue our singing by going to hymn 420, My Anchor Holds.
amen to that. My anchor holds. Before we continue? With going to 467, I need thee every hour. our worship song for tonight, which is going to be Give Thanks. Thanks. 
Amen and truly. We have so much to be thankful for. Even throughout all this pandemic um, and everything going on, we still have so much to be thankful for, um, especially that we have a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For scripture reading, we're going to be turning to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'll be reading verses uh, 12 down to verse 17. Actually, I'll start in verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe unto him life everlasting. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. For special music, uh, Marsha Wright's going to come back and play the piano, and her second number is going to be Be Still My Soul. Amen, Marcia. Thank you for that uh, beautiful number. Be still, my soul. If you will turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, I'd like to read verses 45 down through verse number 49. And this evening, I'd like to begin a new series on the believer's uh, union. And really, what we're looking at is the believer's complete and absolute identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning here in verse number 45. The great resurrection chapter. And here in the context, there are two questions that were raised. How are the dead raised up? With what body do they come? In the context of the verse I'm reading is, what body are we going to come with? What, 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 it was sown one way, and it's going to be raised another way. Praise God. 
verse 45. And so is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. How be that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man, listen to this, of the earth, earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and, and as the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So the great biblical truth, the believer's complete and absolute identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need to understand and realize is as God looks at the world, as God looks at the human race, you see, God only sees one or two places. He does not see us divided by gender, male, female. He does not see us divided by nationality, citizenship, or economic status, rich, middle class, or poor. God sees us either we're in the first Adam, and that's an unsaved position, or we are in the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is salvation. So as we begin this series, and we're going to talk about the believer's union, the believer's absolute identification with Christ, and there are words that show this. We may not cover every verse with the words in it, but we will show you these different words that show the believer's complete and absolute identification. And then if you would like a handout on that, you just please need to let us know here at the church. The believer's union, that's what we need to understand. And we start this point to understand where we've come from, who we were, where we've come from, where we are now, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course, what an eternal, glorious hope that we have. So keep it in mind, when, when God, God looks at the human race, saved or unsaved, there's, there's no middle ground. There are people who maybe you share the gospel with, and they say, well, I think I'm saved, I hope I'm going to heaven. No, no, it's absolute with God. God is not the author of confusion. Either we're saved or we're lost. What does that mean? And the only way of salvation, the only way we emphasize this, the gospel, the grace of God, is by faith alone what the Lord Jesus Christ absolutely has done for us. So as we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Dealing with the fact that as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall bear the image of the heavenly. The first man is earth earthy. So here's his position. In Adam. Again. It's, 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 and we'll talk about how do you get from Adam, in Adam to in Christ. It's not by religion. It's not by human works. Our human works but filthy rags. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you look at in Adam, what does that mean? That, that's unsaved. That means spiritually, spiritually dead to God. And as we look at more, we see unsaved, alive physically, dead spiritually to God. Because please keep in mind and remember, re remember that there are three identifiable deaths in the Bible. Remember, the word death means separation. It does not mean soul sleep. It does not mean annihilation. It means separation. And we know there's, first of all, the most obvious is physical death. And, and we see that, John 11. Lord Jesus Christ tells his disciples that Lazarus is sleeping, and they think he meant that he was taking a nap. And what did he say? He plainly explained he died. And you go back to Genesis 5, the death bells are ringing. This individual lived so many years, begot these children, he died, and she died, and they died. All these people were dying. Because again, we'll read the verse of scripture, Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. Because when God looks at the human race, he sees us either in Adam, Adam sinned, we sinned in him. And there's a difference in the Bible between sin singular and sin plural. And so what we understand is the first death is physical death. Then there is a spiritual death that is spiritually being separated 
from God. Genesis chapter 2. God told Adam, the day that you eat of that fruit, thou shalt surely die. And yet, you go to Genesis 5, Adam lived to be 930 years old. And someone might say, well, there's a discrepancy and see the Bible's No, there's two different deaths there. Genesis 5, as we just explained, is physical death. Genesis 2 is what? Spiritual death. Being spiritually And there's over in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 20, the second death, the eternal death, eternally being separated from God. And I also believe that there is a fourth death that people don't really talk about too much. And I'll read the verse of scripture, but it's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, where we we read these words, wherefore he saith. Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you that light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the times, because the days are evil. And that fourth death is seen here in Ephesians 5.14, awake and arise. And some take this and interpret this, that this is God's message to the unsaved to get saved. No, No, it's not. The context is dealing with what believers. They're, they're, see, the, these, this individual here, these people of the church in Corinth, excuse me, in Ephesus, they were alive physically. They were alive spiritually to God because they trusted him as their savior. But what was going on is they were dead to the things of God. They weren't living for God. And so the issue is what? Arise and awake and Christ will give you the light. And then the issue is what? Then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So the unsaved, alive physically. And then, of course, if they were, if they were to die physically in the unsaved position, what would happen? They would go to the eternal hell. They'd be eternally separated from, from God. So you have spiritual death. They are spiritually separated. They're separated from God. This position is absolutely in Adam, in the first Adam. They're lost. They're unsaved. They're heading to an eternal separation from God. As we said, that is the second death. Remember, today, an individual without Christ dies. Their soul and spirit separate from the body. The body is left here back on earth. The soul and spirit go to hell. And at the great white throne judgment, you can read it, Revelation chapter 2, verse 11, down through verse 15, they're cast over into the lake of fire, and that is the eternal hell. That is the eternal judgment. And they will be eternally separated from God. And the issue is not works. What saves a person today is what? Salvation is by grace alone through faith. Then at the great white throne judgment, they will be judged, not, not, not to see if they're going to heaven, but the judgment is the eternal degrees of eternal punishment. And people need to understand and see this. They're heading to an eternal hell. And please, don't, don't have the idea that you then can, well, if I serve good time, maybe 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, God will promote me. No, this is eternal. This is talking about an eternal separation. And that's the great white throne judgment, as I said, and that's found over in Revelation chapter 20. It's, it's really the second resurrection. Remember in John 5, the Lord Jesus Christ said there are two resurrections. The resurrection of life and the resurrection of damnation. And again, and when you read that verse of scripture in John chapter 5, verse 28, you will see, 28, 29, you will see. And understand there are two resurrections from that perspective, really from prophecy. And at that point, those two resurrections are on the same day, or if they're separated by a day or a couple of hours. But when you go over and read in the book of Revelation, you then understand the separation. The first resurrection, the resurrection of prophecy, is the resurrection of life, and that's going to occur after the tribulation, but before the kingdom, because they're going to raise to go into the kingdom. And then after the millennial kingdom is over, 
then you see the great white throne judgment, and then you have the second resurrection, and that's the unsaved of all ages, and it's a resurrection to what? It's a resurrection to, dam to damnation. And you might ask and say, well, where, where is the church's resurrection? Well, you see, that's the part to understand the Bible rightly divided. The church's resurrection is not the first resurrection, and it's not the second resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not sleep, but we all shall be changed. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 15, as I said, it's the great resurrection chapter. How, the questions that the Corinthians had. Two of the three questions are found in verse 35. Some men will say, how were the dead raised up? With what body did they come? And God answers, with what body did they come first? And then beginning in verse 51, how were the dead raised up? At the return of Christ, what we call the rapture. And then verse 52 says, in a moment, twig of an eye at the last trumpet, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Because there's two groups. You see, the first resurrection that Christ spoke upon during his earthly ministry were only those who are in the graves are going to hear my voice. And they that have done good, and they're going to come forth to the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Well, this, this has two groups. Those who are alive and remain, those who are living at the time of the return of Christ, and those who have died. And again, those who have died are with Christ, absolutely. We're talking about resurrection deals with, with the body. And as you continue reading this, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And that's the great blessed truth that we have. This is not the hope of the unsaved. They're looking at the second resurrection. They're looking at the resurrection of damnation. They're going to be raised and given a body that's going to be adapted to what? To be the lake of fire that will never be consumed. And it's not putting in 100 years, 20 years, and, and saying, well, God's going to promote me. No, no, heaven or hell, saved or unsaved. The unsaved, their need, they have but one need. Their need is very simple, is to hear and to believe and trust the gospel of the grace of God. The only way of salvation is by what Christ has done for us. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross through his death, through his burial and resurrection. And by your faith, listen, you trust and believe. God saves you right then and there. And we'll show you what, what happens. And your position's going to change. Because remember, in Adam, in the last Adam, in the first Adam, in the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the responsibility then of us as believers to continue to preach and share the true gospel the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And we see that here again, the great resurrection chapter. And that message is found back in verse number three. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that's the message. And we see that message preached by the Apostle Paul in Antioch of Pisidia when he was in in jail at Philippi, there's that earthquake. Paul and Silas tell the Philippian jailer, do no harm to thyself. And he says, sirs, what must I do that I can be saved? What work can I do? Believe, you believe, and thou shalt be saved. And that, that's the great message. That is the great message we have, and that is the need of the unsaved. It's not to try to straighten up their life, though we would want that, if they're having issues and problems, but that's not salvation. Because again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. So their need is to hear the message. Their need is to respond to the message, to believe the message, and God absolutely will save them. And that's what the unsaved need. Their, their need is salvation to believe. And here are some words that are associated with, with the unsaved. Lost. Believe not. Look over with me and follow with me in your Bible. I trust that you are turning with me in your Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 3, verse number 4. 
1 Corinthians 1.18. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God. To those that perish, the, the walking dead. That's seen over in Ephesians chapter 2, because they're alive physically. They can function, they can go to work, they can go to school, they can do other activities, but they're dead spiritually to God. They're, they're, the, they're the walking dead then. Alive physically, dead spiritually to God. They're separated from the life of God through Christ Jesus. Why are they separated? Because they're trusting religion. They're trusting themselves. They're trusting their good works. They're trying to keep the law. And the issue is that all works. In Romans 3 tells us there's none righteous, no, not one, and we cannot be justified by the works of the law. It's only by faith in Christ and in what Christ does and what God does. Even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, is unto all and upon all them that believe. That believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded. Listen to this. The God of this world, lowercase g, this, this is talking about Satan. The God of the world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Talks upon the fact that they're blinded the minds, them which believe not. And what do we do? We, we, preach the Lord, we preach the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our message. Without, you can read this over in Colossians chapter number 4. Walk in wisdom to them that are without. What, what are they without? They're without Christ. If you're without Christ, you're without hope. You're without the eternal hope. First Corinthians 15, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And I've said, I've defined it this way. If, if, if you believe, if, if you believe that the Christian hope is defined by the parameters in this world, making you a better person, husband, spouse, brother, sister, friend, neighbor, citizen, worker, co-worker. And, and that's all that it is. We, we understand those are important, but if that's all that it is, we are most men most miserable because that's nothing. That would be taking on philosophy, eat, drink, and be married tomorrow, you die, and there's nothing. De but death is not annihilation. Death is not soul sleep. It's a separation. Remember, and remember, being spiritually separated from God. So there's a group of people, and I'll show you the verse of Scripture. Go over with me to Ephesians chapter 2. These are people that you might know. They're, they're, they're alive physically. They're alive physically. But they're dead spiritually to God. And so they're seen as the walking dead. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through verse number 3. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. There's the word death, dead in trespasses and sins. Notice verse number 2. Wherein in times past you what? You walk according to the course of this world, according to the of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Did you see that you were dead and yet you were walking among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Look at verse number four. And I love how verse number four begins. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, or the loved us. It's but God. You see, the Bible is written by God through man. God gave the words. They recorded it. It's the word of God. And yet, those who do not believe that and despise that believe that this Bible that you love, the Bible that you cherish, I pray that you do. Because it's, it's God's living word. It's God's word. It's his written word. It's the words that God has given us so that we may understand salvation, may understand important doctrines, understand how to live, understand that we can rely upon God, that he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. 
if man wrote this without God, and the Bible was not given by the inspiration of God, God breathed. You really think man would say, but God who is rich in mercy? They would say, but man, or but by my religion, or by my good deeds. Look, look what I have done. Look at the things that I have tried to do. So I'm really not that bad of a person. It begins with, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, with he loved us. So they, again, the unsaved, absolutely, are seen as the, the, the walking dead. They're without Christ, they're without hope, they're walking dead, perish. Now let's for a moment talk about in Christ. In Christ. That, that, that's, being, that's salvation. That's saved. That, that now we're spiritually alive. We were, de- we were dead. We were the walking dead. But we trust, we heard the gospel. And we responded by faith and God saved us. Now we're spiritually alive to God. We're given the Holy Spirit of God. Look at this. We're spiritually alive. Our position now is not in the first Adam. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ in the last Adam. There's been a positional change. When? Upon salvation. Not sometime later. Not after you did. This is God's blessing to us. This is so wonderful. In fact, I think what we're going to do with this study is, is for a few weeks talk about the believer's union and then show you how we're blessed spiritually. And again, when? when? At the moment of salvation. And you say, well, why is that important to understand? Because if you understand this, that should cause you to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Read Galatians 2.20, Romans 6, 3, and 4. Our position has changed. What also should change? The fruit, the way we live, the way we act. Salvation, justification. We, we have co-identification with the Lord, Je- with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit now. The unsaved do not have the Holy Spirit. And they, can't, they cannot get the Holy Spirit. God gives the gift of the Holy Spirit to the believer. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is he seals us, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Well, upon belief, again, read, read those verses of Scripture. You want to talk about God's grace and how we're blessed spiritually? Read those verses of Scripture. And then we realize also one of the aspects, ministries, and important ministries of the Holy Spirit today in the dispensation of grace is to help us to understand, help us to understand the Word of God. The Word of God is, is so beautiful, and it's so important for us to understand. Remember, remember those four words. We've done this before, but I'd just like to take a second to explain it. Revelation, inspiration, preservation, and illumination. Look, look at the beauty of God and the design of God. You have those four words. Revelation, inspiration, preservation, and then illumination. Revelation is from God to man. Inspiration are the words. It's not about the writers. It's not about the writers experiencing anything. It's God giving the words, dictating the words to the writers. They record it. We have the word of God. Preservation is what happened to those words. God, God has preserved those words. God has watched over those words. In the 21st century, we have God's word today. Even though there's been attacks by, by governments, by ecclesiastical authorities to destroy God's word, we have it today. Why? Because God watched over it. And then illumination is from the pages of scripture to, to the believer's heart. Let's just think about this. If you had the first three words but did not have the last word, illumination, you had revelation, you have inspiration and preservation. And you came up to me Wednesday nights, we have asked the pastor. So you asked me a question. You could ask me a question, very simple question. What does Ephesians 2, 8, 9 mean? Or Romans 4, 4 and 4, 5. Or 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And I would answer you this way. Remember, you don't have the word illumination. I know it's God's word. I know God has watched over his word. This is not the word of man. These are God's words. It's the words that proceed out, out of his mouth. And you say, Pastor, that's great, but I want to know what this verse means. I don't know. And imagine if you didn't have the first three words, you did not have 
revelation. You did not have inspiration. You did not have preservation. You only had illumination. And you ask me, what does this verse mean? What does 1 Timothy 2, 5 mean? Well, I don't know if it's God's word, but this is what it means. That's not good enough then. Because you wouldn't know if it's God's word or not. But you see, God in his sovereignty and his love for mankind today has all four words interconnected so that when you turn to your Bible and when you read and study your Bible, you know that these, no matter what the world says, and the world attacks it, the world mocks it, saying that these are the words of men. No, these are, are God's words given to you, preserved by God, that we have believers have the indwelling Holy Spirit so that we can understand the very word of God. It's wonderful and beautiful to understand and think about that. And then we're blessed with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, we said. Saved, eternally secure in Christ. Praise God that eternal salvation is at the moment of salvation and we're eternally secure when? throughout all eternity then. And people will say, well, that's great. That's too much grace and you're, you're preaching grace as a license to sin. No, that's not the issue. You need to understand who you are in Christ. And that's why we're taking time this evening to talk about where we've come from, who we were, where we've come from. And if you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, we'll show you your position has changed before God. The eternal glory. The believer's reward seats. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. These people, why are they doing all these things? Why, why are they doing all these trainings? They're, they're doing it to receive a corruptible crown, but we do it for an incorruptible. And we know that the Summer Olympic Games, because of the pandemic, have been postponed for one year. And we, and we know where these games came from. The original Greek games came from Greece. The original Olympiads came, Olympics came from Greece. And we, we, we see this in Scripture. And we, we understand some of these analogies. I just read to you 1 Corinthians. Go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Go back and read those verses of Scripture. And you'll see. I'll just read some of these verses of Scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. And as you read these verses of scripture, here's the analogy and the, and the understanding to the Olympic Games. Verse 24, know ye not that they which run, run in a race, run all, but one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain. The end of verse 25, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. And of course, back then it was not a gold medal and a silver medal and a bronze medal. The, the winner of the race received what? A crown of garland that had flowers and things that were going to do what? They were going to perish. And that's what the point is here. And pl please understand when you read 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, the context is not salvation. Because when you come down to verse number 27, I keep under my body and bring into subjection lest by any means... When I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And there are some who are going to tell you that well, Paul thought that he could be a castaway. And the word castaway means disapproved. Then who are you to say that you have eternal security? Read the context, please. The, con the context is not about salvation. It's about rewards. And that's what he is talking about. So the believer's reward seat, the, ra the rapture resurrection that we have. And that we're looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ returning. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. 1 Corinthians 15 that I read earlier, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall all sleep, but we all shall be changed. And in the glorified bodies, Philippians 3, that these bodies are going to be fashioned. And they're going to be changed like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was God was tabernacled, John 1, 1, in the, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, verse 14, and the Word became flesh. The Word was tabernacled in human flesh, that's the incarnation, and then he dies, and he died once, and he was buried once in a sepulcher, and he was resurrected never ever to what? To die again. And our bodies, our future glorified bodies, are going to be fashioned like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be no death in heaven, no pandemic, no cancer, 
no other kind of diseases, no separation. We're going to, those who have trusted Christ are eternally secure in Christ. And what is God going to do when he raises these bodies and those who are living at the time of the return of Christ? These bodies are going to fashion. Read Philippians chapter 3. They're going to be fashioned like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. What? Never to die again. Praise God. And how long is eternity? It's forever and ever. What is eternity? God giving to us literally his own life. God has no beginning. He has no end. For the believer, it will have a beginning, but it absolutely will have no end. And then we talk about the saved. We're, we're believers. Also, we realize what we're, we're, we're the t- saints. You can read this in 1 Corinthians. I'll just read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. There's other verses of Scripture. Romans. We're, we're saints. That word saint means the set-apart ones. It's not the way the religious world would describe it today. You've got to perform a couple miracles, have devotion to God, and then we'll canonize you a saint. That's not what the Bible talks about. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 2, Under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Called saints. That is what God does for us at the moment of our salvation, called saints. We know that we're the children of God. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 26, we are the one new man. So we look at this. So here's this in Adam position. That, that thought represents you this evening. Have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you have that eternal hope? Are you eternally secure that when you die that you know that you're going to heaven? And I ask you, what do you think a person needs to do? And if you reply, well, good works and I need to be a good person, that's human righteousness. It's by faith only, not by any religious activity. It's by faith only. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Remember what we're talking about, in Adam, in Christ. So, so that dot. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved. You're deceiving. Right now, you're, you're in Adam. That's the unsaved position. Here is in Christ. That, 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 that's light. Darkness versus light. <laughs> In Adam, lost, going to eternal hell versus in Christ. Salvation, light, eternal glory. If you trust in Christ, that, that's your position. If you've never trusted him, that dot represents you over in Adam. And the only way to move when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. When I trust the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior when I was 17 years old, I was taken out of that in Adam position. I heard the gospel. I replied and responded to the gospel by faith, and I was then transferred. My position was changed before God from in Adam to in Christ. Not by good works, not by baptism or religious activity or attending church or giving money. It's by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. A positional change occurs at the moment of, at the moment of salvation. Just think about that. This is the believer's identification. This is the believer's union from from in Adam. The change was from in Adam, unsaved, to in Christ, and that is absolutely the salvation position. The believer's union with Christ. The believer's complete identification with Christ, and this is what we want to talk about in the next few weeks. Showing you, maybe you've never thought about this, and again, in the Bible, In the dispensation of grace, there's a difference between standing and state, our position before God, and our walk here on earth. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? See, if you never never trusted him, if you're trusting your, your good works, if you're trusting religion, if you're trusting anything else other than the Lord Jesus Christ, that dot you see there, in Adam, unsaved, that's you. And only you can answer answer this question. And you need to look within your heart of heart to think upon this. Where will your death lead you? One thing we realize, we talk about and see this pandemic and we see the worldwide death. It's unbelievable. Sometimes even in 
comprehensible to think upon. But we're reminded of James telling us that our life is but a vapor that here in God. Where will your death leave you? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you ever trusted him? If you've never trusted him, you're in that in Adam position. And the only way to move from in Adam to in Christ, from the unsaved to the saved, is to trust him. And then God, there's a positional change. There's a positional change before. You, you are now in Christ. Listen, friend. You who are watching, you who are listening, if you've never trusted him, won't you trust him right now? Read Romans chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Won't you trust him right now, right where you're at, before it's eternally too late in your life? And for us who are saved in Christ's salvation, what we have, the believer's union, the believer's complete and absolute identification with Christ. We're going to continue looking at this because that should motivate us, challenge us to be living for him. We thank you for listening and being a part of our evening fellowship hour. We pray that it was an encouragement and a challenge to you. And truly, may God bless you. May God continue to bless this church. And may God bless the United States of America. Pretty close, or did I...